What's up, guys? It is Chris DeMui for the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU podcast. And yes, you're not mistaken, we're going to do a very quick follow-up episode to the LSU versus Alabama live stream that dropped on Sunday evening after the game three ended. We went about 5.30, so about an hour after the LSU-Alabama game ended. And look, on this quick recap, I want to go over the three big things that I learned this weekend and also the get right, stay right list. And then finally, the SEC rundown. And we're going to also take a look at the LSU week ahead, who they play midweek, and then who are they playing next weekend in SEC action. So with LSU swooping its second series in a row and then doing a live stream, I haven't had a chance to cover the segments that I typically go over in the preview episodes, that being the get right, stay right list, and finally the three big things that I learned. Also, another reason for doing this kind of quick recap I wanted to see if this short format, this is going to be like 10, 15 minutes max. If that's something that y'all like, that you'll watch, that you'll listen to. And if so, I can potentially break off some segments that I do in the preview or the review episodes, break that out into smaller segments and have those as standalone episodes on the YouTube channel and potentially in podcast form as well. They cannibalize some of the bigger episodes, but it's something I've kind of been mulling over and I want to see if y'all like these uh almost like quick hitters, right? Seven to 10 minute segments. And um, hopefully I get some feedback on that and we can move forward with that in the future here at 60 feet, six inches. So quickly, let me review the three keys I had for the weekend in the preview episode. The first key, LSU needs to start playing uh, baseball, complete baseball in all three phases of the game, hitting, pitching, and fielding. And look, I wouldn't say that they did that this weekend. They did it in spurts. But when you're looking at a three game series, they really didn't pitch, hit, or feel the ball really well in all three games. And hopefully that's something they move towards when you're looking at regional and super regional action as the season starts to wrap up with only three SEC series remaining. The second key, look, the bullpen needs to step up. Uh, did that in game two, right? Bullpen like six and a third, very good. In game three, it was shaky. Right. And Griffin Herring was cruising along until he had that uh, bumpy spot in the ninth where LSU ends up giving up four runs. So all in all, the bullpen was uh, it's really hit or miss this weekend. And then finally, my third key was the quote unquote role players. And they're not really role players on this team. Uh, you know, they're they're starters now. Right. But how would they have an impact on the weekend? I felt like they needed to step up and boy, they did do that in a big time way. I'm specifically talking about Malazzo. Uh, Travinsky, I thought Pearson would have more of an impact, but you also Paxton, you saw Paxton clean come off the bench. He got a home run in game three. Travinsky once again does it again with uh, two strikes as he hits a go-ahead home run, just like he did at Ole Miss. He does it against Alton Davis the second, the stud reliever for Alabama in game two. And that guy is, uh, he's really on a roll, right? He's filled with a ton of confidence right now. Um, I saw some of his quotes in the paper and he says he likes to react when he's hitting. And he's been massive for this team the past two weekends. All right, moving on. So off those keys then and how LSU played, what are the three big things that I learned from this weekend? The first big thing that I learned, the pitching is what it is, right? The old saying of you are who you are at this point in the season is definitely holding true. And I've just come to realize that with regards to this LSU team. Besides schemes, the LSU pitching staff is inconsistent, right? I don't think anybody's going to argue that point. Now, look, they have a very high ceiling. But the floor, to me, is a little worrisome. Can it change for the better? Absolutely. Will it get worse? I don't think so. The bullpen, while inconsistent as well, um, they're starting to develop some type of depth. Now, 
you may not like the depth that they have in terms of the arms they run out there, but there's enough arms that are available to where you can just kind of keep running out arms in a turnstile type fashion to where you can find one guy who's going to get you a couple of innings, steal you some outs, and get you through the end of the game. Now, can that part get better in terms of the bullpen? Absolutely, especially as you see Coleman and Ackenhausen start to round into form. Um, Collins has started to step up. Cooper, we really need to see him stack two or three good outings together. And then you've seen Money and Dutton recently uh, steal some innings on the weekend. But the first big thing I learned, look, the pitching just kind of is what it is. And you may not like to hear that. You may get upset. But at this point in the season, I don't really think it's drastically going to change. But like I said, it can change for the better. But in terms of uh, will it get worse, I just, I just don't see it getting any worse. The second big thing that I learned, the defense is a little worrisome at this point. I think gone are the days of putting together three to four games in a row of error-free baseball. Look, I just looked at the stats before I did the recording here. You're not even going to be in the top 50 in the country when it comes to fielding percentage. You're not nearly as bad as you were last year. You're not nearly, you're not even close to what you were at the beginning of the season. And at this point in the year, you just hope that an error doesn't cost you a big game. And you've seen Jay Johnson make defensive moves. Uh, he definitely makes them later in the game. Now they're not necessarily in the ninth, right? You see him make moves in the seventh or eighth as long as that guy's not coming at the bat. So, for example, let's say Napolt comes in for Dugas, right? If Dugas hits in the seventh, you'll see uh, Napolt come in in the eighth or ninth or vice versa, right? If they have a five-run lead and Dugas hits in the bottom of the sixth, you may see Napolt come in in the seventh to where he may steal it at bat from Dugas, but at the end, it's probably not going to cost you. So you'll see uh, some different outfielders come in like Kling or Pearson at times. Uh, maybe you see Tommy White get taken out of the game. But you're going to see Jay Johnson continue to make those defensive substitutions from here on out. The third big thing that I learned from this weekend, while the strikeouts still concern me at times, I basically just learned to live with it. And it's just a fact of life with this team because up until now it hasn't burned them. But on the flip side, with those strikeouts come the fact that this team can go off at any point in the game, meaning they can hit a couple of bombs in an inning, and it can be anywhere from the number one guy to the number nine guy. And more importantly, the entirety of this lineup can absolutely lock in. You know they're going to drive a pitch count, which gets into the other team's bullpen, which can extend innings, and then they could put up some crooked numbers after um, those extended innings. Case in point, it happened twice this weekend to where they locked in and they got massive walks, which contributed to runs on the scoreboard. The sixth inning of the Friday night game, LSU scored three runs on the back of three two out walks and two of those walks came on three two counts once again they repeated that effort in game three in the fifth inning of game three they had five walks in that inning with three of those walks coming on three two counts so when this lineup wants to they'll absolutely lock in they spit on pitches in the dirt you've seen guys walk uh, beloso sticks out in my mind yes he had O2 count against Furtado, the really good lefty he works a, a big time walk and it just extends the inning. So while the strikeouts are aggravating at times, worrisome, mind-numbing to a lot of people out there, you're just going to have to take that with the fact that on the flip side, they know the zone, they work their plan, they don't sway from that plan, and eventually, at this point in the season, they're absolutely going to get to the other team's pitcher, and they've proven it time and time again. All right, the get right, stay right list. Look, full transparency, I need to hold myself accountable. 
So how did I do this weekend? Get right. I had Dugas. That was a miss. He went one for eight on the weekend. He did have a double. He only had two Ks this weekend. And I still think he is in recovery mode as he gets back from that injury. Jones on the get right list, that was a push. He was only two for nine, which is 222. But those two hits were home runs. So he had two home runs with five RBIs, two walks, and only four strikeouts. So down from the old Miss weekend. And then finally on the get right list, I had Josh Pearson. That is a miss for me as he only played once this weekend. He did go one for two with a double. I just thought Pearson would factor in and maybe see a little bit more PT versus Alabama. On the stay right list, I had Dylan Cruz. That is an absolute hit for your boy as he was just named SEC Player of the Week for the third time this year. Cruz versus Alabama goes six for 11. That's 545 for y'all doing the math at home. Two home runs, eight RBIs, four walks, and two Ks. He is just a dude. I've said it. I can't say anymore. I can't throw any more bouquets to Dylan Cruz. He's just a man. Also on the stay right list, I had Ty Floyd. That is a miss for me. Another inconsistent outing for Floyd on the back of his best outing of the year to where we went eight and a third against Ole Miss. This weekend, unfortunately, Ty Floyd just didn't have it against Alabama. He goes two and two thirds, six hits, six runs, six earned, four walks and two Ks. Hopefully Ty Floyd will look to turn that around um, against Auburn next weekend. And then finally on the stay right list, I had the catching position. That was an absolute hit as Milazzo and Travinsky continue to impress uh, as they filled in for the injured Brady Neal. Combined on the weekend, those guys went four for nine. That is a 444 average with one massive home run, six RBIs. Get this, three walks, one strikeout. Those guys combined are absolutely getting it done from the catching position the last couple of weekends. Moving on, in case you didn't get a chance to check the SEC scores or in case you were busy and just focused on LSU, I got your SEC scores and uh, the outcomes covered for you right here. Tennessee sweeps Mississippi State. I predicted the Vols to take two out of three at home. So uh, I get that one right, but missed out on the wins. Arkansas hosted Texas A&M, and in a surprise to me, Arkansas sweeps the Aggies. So that was very detrimental to Texas A&M's uh, SEC hopes in terms of maybe getting a uh, higher regional seed. Vanderbilt sweeps Kentucky, and Kentucky is just in a free fall right now. I missed on that one. I did have the Commodores taking two out of three at home, so I missed on the win total there. Florida sweeps Mizzou. No surprise to anybody there. Got that one correct. The big miss I had, well, there's two big misses, right? I had Georgia taking two out of three on the road in Oxford, but the Rebels finally turn around. They take a series at home, so Ole Miss takes two out of three from the Dogs. And the series, I think everybody in the country got wrong, as you see – Auburn take two out of three in Columbia, South Carolina, as they down the Gamecocks. I had South Carolina sweeping Auburn, and um, Auburn's on an uptick right now, right? And that's who LSU has to play next weekend. So taking a look at the week ahead, on Tuesday, LSU travels to Hammond to take on Southeastern. And then finally, they travel to the Plains to take on Auburn in a Friday, Saturday, Sunday SEC series. So, as I told y'all, it's going to be quick. It's going to be short. That's going to do it for the quick recap of the Alabama versus SEC series, focusing on the three big things that I learned, and then the get right, stay right list. Look, guys, if you haven't had a chance to check out the recorded episode of the live stream, I was joined by Matthew Musso from 104.5 and the Musso at the Box podcast, and then my buddy uh, Patrick Coogan, LSU legend, the winner of the 1996 National Championship game. He started pitching the 1997 National Championship game. Those two guys did a great job on the live stream, a ton of really good takes, 
a really good insight and was we really focused on the pitching, right? The pitcher's mindset, their inconsistencies. And also I have some worries with regards to the pitch count as well. So if you hadn't had a chance to check that out, it's in, available in podcast form, all the major audio platforms, and it's also on the top of the YouTube page as well. So lastly, be on the lookout for the Auburn preview. That's going to drop on Wednesday morning. So hit me up with the feedback if y'all like this kind of short recap segment, and uh, hopefully I, maybe I can do some more of these in the future. But until next time, y'all stay safe, and as always, go Tigers.